Welcome to Fashion Designers Get Paid, a podcast for burnt out fashion designers who want to ditch the toxic rat race, say bye-bye to backstabbing bosses, and work with brands who value and respect them. I'm your host, Heidi, and I believe that you can do things differently in your fashion career. Because the truth is, most industry jobs will underpay and overwork you, and having your own brand is far from profitable. Let's also be honest, most of them fail. So if you actually want to, well, be a fashion designer and get paid, the best way to do it is as a freelancer. Now, maybe you've been told that brands don't accept remote freelancers or that freelancing means being an exploited temp employee working full-time without benefits. Or to work freelance, you have to be a rock star expert with all the skills from design through development. I'm going to show you that it is possible to be a real freelancer in fashion, work remotely with brands you love, and make money, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers. You got this, and I'm here to help you do it. In this episode, I'm chatting with Kristen Anderson, a freelance fashion designer specializing in lingerie and swim for startup brands. Over the last three years, Kristen's freelance career has grown so much, it's transitioned in a big way. She actually wound up turning her freelance career into a full-fledged fashion design agency. Our conversation took many interesting turns, but some of the key things we talked about include how she built out her agency and started hiring other freelancers to work for her, how she's optimized her LinkedIn profile and website so clients can find her easily, how she switched to a retainer only pricing model after hourly and project-based pricing were not working for her. And last, how she's building her own Intimates brand on the side, which includes spending five weeks in Sri Lanka earlier this year. It is a super fun and inspiring conversation. You're going to love it. Let's get to it. Hey, real quick, before we jump into the episode, if you're sick of being tied to a desk and want more freedom in your day, I want to help you. Snag my free limited time training, how to freelance in fashion, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers, to learn my five-step freelancing framework so you can work for yourself in fashion and get paid. Get instant access at sohidy.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now let's get started. Welcome to the podcast again. Um, you and I were just chatting before I record. It's been about three years since you were on the show, and there are a lot of exciting updates that I cannot wait to hear um, with you and your freelance career, your freelance business. Let us know first. I'll, we'll point everybody back to the original episode where you came on so people can get the full backstory. But first, please introduce yourself in a few sentences and let us know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry. Sure. My name is Kristen Anderson, and I've been in the industry for about 14 years now. I work with emerging and startup brands to help them build and develop their collections from beginning concept through production. Um, and that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Um, and you're pretty niche because before we, as, the, as yeah. soon as we got on the call, I was nerding out on your Zoom handle, literally says lingerie and swim expert. So let's yeah. not, yeah, you specialize in that space. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I have been pretty much dedicated to the swim and intimate space for my entire career. So I've decided to cancel any other projects in ready to wear and or, you know, baby kids, anything like that. Cause you know, it doesn't light me up and I am not very experienced in those realms. So anytime yeah. I feel like I have that kind of job come up, it gives me a lot of stress yeah. and also like, it's not my zone of genius. So I feel yeah. like, uh, why would I want to spend my time doing the things that are really challenging and don't light me up versus yeah. the things that I know I'm really talented at and yeah. what I love doing, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay. So, um, as, as you and I chatted about in your first interview, which I'm going to double check here was episode 117. So we'll link to that in the show notes, everybody. Um, but just double checking that now I had it in my head, of course. Yeah. 117. Um, 
you had a career in the industry, you worked in house, you dabbled in freelancing. It was a little bit of a mess. You didn't totally know what you were doing. Then you kind of figured things out. You started gaining a lot of traction. You quit your full-time job. You leaned into freelancing. Um, that was when we chatted three years ago. So three years ago, you were, had left your job. You were freelancing exclusively. Um, mm -hmm. now you have a team, you work with other freelancers, like get us up to date on sort of what's happened over the past three years. And then I'm going to dig into each of those things. I'm going to ask you like how you actually got that success. Yeah, absolutely. So last time we met, yeah, I was pretty much, I had one intern at the time that we had last spoke. So okay. she, she actually, her name is Jasmine. She's actually still part of my team. She oh, amazing. went from, yeah, she went from being an intern and she was with me for her student co-op at uh, Drexel. And then she, when she grad, you know, she stayed on as a part-time assistant. And when she graduated, she ended up becoming my first like full-time employee. So that was really yeah, awesome. Amazing. But so I only had Jasmine that was helping me as an intern when we last spoke. So over that course um, of time, I, I had hired a virtual assistant, I think. Um, actually, no, I had a virtual assistant at the time, but I, I think I went through some transition periods with different virtual assistants and trying to figure out like, what did I actually need when it comes to like virtual assisting, you know? It's a serious learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you, you just don't know until you start dabbling into it. So yeah, yeah. I had, I had my virtual assistant and I had Jasmine last time we spoke, but since then we've grown, we have uh, a few more people on our team. I, I traded off the virtual assistant for somebody with more of a marketing background instead. Uh, okay. um, I, I found that like, I didn't really need the virtual assistant as it was, it was mostly doing things around my like personal life schedule that I just uh, didn't have a whole lot of time for, like setting up doctor's appointments and like making things that like, I would not make the time for doing yeah. things that I would not make the time for. Rather. Yeah. But yeah, at, at the end of 2020, I feel like it wasn't much different, but by 2021, um, I had met Monica, who is a technical designer that is also part of my team now. Okay. Um, and Monica and I have been working together since early 2021. Um, How'd you guys meet? So it was kind of interesting. She, she replied to a job feeler I kind of had put out on LinkedIn for okay. a clothes 3D designer. And ah, okay. it was interesting because at the time she didn't have any experience in clothes 3D, um, but she was really like keen on technical design and wanted to learn it. So yeah. she, she kind of just reached out and told me that she was like interested, wanted to learn, wanted to see what I, I thought about that. And honestly, it was like, we kind of just started trying each other out amid almost immediately. It was like two months later, maybe. And she was like, okay, I'm thinking about leaving my full-time job. Can I have some like uh project-based work for you at the moment? And like, yeah. you can see how that feels. And and like, I, we clicked so immediately. So I just kind of gave her the shot. And, and eventually she actually took some time off and went on like her own little sabbatical journey because I had done that previously. And, yeah. and when Monica came back at the end of 2021, she had like really, really known, like figured out all of Glow and how to use it. And so oh, she amazing. was like, she left and came back as like a, a transformed designer. So it was yeah. really cool. That's cool. Okay. So you 2020, and I love that this is like all happening, like peak pandemic. Um, yeah. Okay. So you get Monica and you're keep going. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Monica came on in like March of 2021. I had also been working with Riley, who is now the marketing side of our, my business. Um, she had reached out in like October or November of 2020. She also like people just reach out to me and they like, 
I, if I vibe with them, I, I try to meet them. You know, if okay. I, if I feel like synergy, then I, I'll tell them like, Hey, you know, I don't have anything for you right now, but like, stay close by, like, yeah. remind me, don't, yeah. don't forget that I, you know, tell me you exist every now and then so that I can come back yeah. to you. <laughs> um, and if I can give you a project and if I can throw you a project right away, I, I mean, I will, but like, if I can't, you know, just don't, don't let me forget you. So Riley had met, reached out in 2020 and she, and then she lost her job at some point through the pandemic. There was like another period and then and then it came back and so Riley was trying to figure out what she was going to do she actually had taken your one of your courses I believe which had made oh. her reach out to me which was it's kind of like a funny full story um, oh is she in fast my freelance program I I think it was fast that she that's was the only I, yeah that's the only program we have that would actually like initiate someone sense. to do reach out yeah otherwise the programs are more technical, like Illustrator and like tech packs and stuff. So I'm pretty sure that be... is what she, I, I, yeah. Did you, did you launch that in the pandemic? Like during, like at the beginning of it kind of, um, I mean, it existed before the pandemic. Oh, so yeah, oh, it, it okay. would have been, yeah. Like it would have okay. been ongoing then it would have been available then. Yeah. She could have been in it. Okay. Yeah. Then definitely that was the one she had because, okay. um, she told me about you and how she had, you know, heard about reaching out to people and all of your thoughts on like, just, just try, like, just, you know, put something out there and see what they yeah. say. And yeah. so she did that. Um, and then, you know, her full-time gig was not lighting her up. So she was working a full-time job and side hustling with me as much as she could. And yeah. um, she was working at a uniform company and she's, you know, a designer and she lived in Ohio. So there wasn't a whole lot of like opportunities yeah. for Riley to like go out and like find new fashion jobs. So yeah. Once we started working together for a little while, this a new opportunity kind of arose where I my, my virtual assistant at the time was leaving, and I was like, I don't know if I actually need another virtual assistant or if I need somebody else that actually yeah. like know knows more about fashion and knows like how to talk the lingo and 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 speak about it on social media because that was kind of what was I was struggling with at the time, and like social media was really important for for the business it seemed anyways yeah lots of different tangents there <laughs> but okay yeah I want to talk about that um let's just pause and talk about that yeah. yeah social media was really important for the business I mean it seemed yeah I mean it, me. I, I mean honestly I think social media is already like going through this really weird renaissance of things yeah, I know. it's like I don't know what to do with it. Like, I feel like we put time and energy into it and it kind of goes into the void. And I, I also recognize that like, you have to have a presence because there's like this thought of like, if I can't find you on social media, you're not real. Right. Like, mm, yeah. Uh. So you have to put yourself out there. You have to be a content creator. If you have a business in this kind of space, you, I feel it. And it still feels very much like you have to do these things, even if, they are sort of devoid of payoff. Like even if you're directly not getting the clients through that, yeah. it's like you feel this higher level like obligation to just keep doing it. Absolutely. Cause like Ugh, what if, yeah. if you die on social media, like, you know, are you dead in real Do life? Do you die in real life? life? That's literally what I was thinking. Yeah. So like, are, are you specifically actually, talking Instagram? I am semi specifically talking Instagram. Cause I think Instagram is like the fits right now for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at yours right before this call and I noticed you took some kind of breaks off of it too. It seems like uh, like six months has been the best decision of my life. And guess yeah. what? It's not me posting on there now. Yeah. That's I have someone team. on my team doing it. I it's a, it's a very toxic place for me. I cannot, I do not want to be there. It's not healthy. 
Yeah, I I totally agree. And if I if it was up to me, like I would destroy social media with like I sledgehammer. Yeah. Like I don't think it's doing benefits for us at this point in a lot of ways. And I think it's also not like beneficial to brands at the moment that much either. Like I don't yeah. feel like I, I don't feel like they're flourishing because of social media. So you, are you guys still kind of trying to actively regularly post? Yeah. I mean, we have like a presence and I think, you know, we, we post like it's our portfolio and like we, yeah. we show off our clients and we talk about like the things we're working on and, and relevant like blog posts we have, but like, yeah. we're not necessarily like, there was a point in time where I was making a whole bunch of reels and it was exhausting. Yeah, and it is. I'm just like, I don't think mm-hmm. I ever once got a bit, got business from one of my like Instagram reels either. Like I yeah. think almost so always you, I've, nothing came back from it. Yeah. Not like, not in a real, like fully tangible Yes, that came from Instagram. Yes, that was a hundred percent from there. You know, like yeah. it was it's yeah. always hard to tell where but most of my inquiries and most people find me on either LinkedIn or Google. So I don't Okay. So don't yeah, know. let's let's talk about that. Cause I I think it's easy to get sucked down this like, oh, I have to have this Instagram presence. And I I teach that you don't. I very mm-hmm. adamantly say, yeah. like, forget it. It mm-hmm. if you really want to be on there because you like are gonna be reaching out to brands there or something, like set up a nine by nine grid, like or three by three, nine square grid that just feels like a portfolio. Like you don't need to be posting regularly. Like just get that presence up there that feels yeah. really cohesive and niche and then be done. Um, so let's talk about clients then. So clients are finding you on LinkedIn and Google what? Talk about this because I hear the LinkedIn thing sometimes. I don't hear a lot of people on Google unless they're super niche, which you are. So yeah, I mean, I think that it. definitely helps. I think being hyper niche is, is somewhat helpful. I think it's also tricky. I mean, Google in general is it's hard when you have a service-based business and it's also like tangible, tangentially connected to the e-commerce space because when it is like, it actually becomes hard to find people like us because when you search for like a lingerie designer, you find designer lingerie, not a lingerie designer. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I guess unless they're putting the qualifier like freelancer in there. Yes. They would have, like, you have to have either that word or something else. I did have the word freelance in my um, webpage for a long time, but I also took it off more recently because I, it didn't feel connected quite to my, what I am now. Cause I'm Your not business, necessarily more, yeah, yeah, like an agency. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know how you call yourself, but yeah, I, yeah, I call it an agency at this point. Um, but it is just, it's just so weird because it's like people do find me on Google. I think part of why they are able to find me on Google is because I've been building a lot of educational content and blog mm. posts over the years. So I mm-hmm. think you know, if you look for like how to find out how do you what are lab dips like that is something that like almost nobody ever covered on the internet, and yeah. I that's something that people find on my on my website, and you know they go to it, and there's. There's just weird little things kind of like those that are just yeah. like, this is so freaking random and nobody ever, ever talked about it, you know? Yeah, totally. So that's so interesting. Okay. So you've built out your blog, which sounds like is mostly an educational platform. You work with smaller startup brands. So you're specifically thinking like, what types of things might they be Googling? And then you create that resource and then they Google it. You come up because like you said, a lot of these topics are stuff that a lot of 
people aren't really blogging. There's not a ton of content out there. It's not super saturated. It's not like how to lose weight or right, like how to get yeah. a six pack, right? That's super saturated. But in our niche, I think there's a lot of interesting opportunity. So, okay, you've got these blog posts and people are finding you that way. And then they've got like some type of like contact form or something. And they, is that um, the funnel? Um, That's part of it. Yes. Um, We have like a, a contact form for clients. We have a contact like form for newsletter, people like people who just want to sign up and subscribe for our newsletter. Sure. Um, we also have a couple of different courses uh, available on our website, uh, lead generation things as well um, yeah. for to help people, you know, find us and get us. Um, like yeah. a we have a checklist for you know fashion founders who are just starting off. Like oh, cool. The okay. fundamentals that you kind of need to have for building a brand. Yeah. Um, Another one we have is like an entrepreneur quiz to tell you like what kind of fashion entrepreneur you are. And it gives yeah. you like guidelines for like, if this is you, then you might struggle here. And if, if you're struggling here, then get help with somebody that has this experience or like, X, yeah, if X, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. I have to throw out a disclaimer to everyone listening because I know it could, it could turn into very like shiny objects object syndrome or overwhelm of like, oh, well then I need to do, start doing all this blogging and I need to start, like, I need a lead magnet and a quit. Like it can get really overwhelming really quickly. So I want to sure. be mindful that like, this is not how you started your no. freelance career. This is how you've now strategically built it out. Once you were established, now you have a team, you have help. Oh, like oh. it takes time to build out this type of a presence and platform. Absolutely. This is not an overnight thing. Like I was I was literally just on a call with my team earlier and we're, we're building SOPs for our whole business basically. And just yeah. trying to like streamline things. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling them, I'm like, guys, this is not something that I expect you to finish in a day. It's going to be like a long process. And yeah. that's what it is like creating content, creating anything. It's like a long time before you yeah. see the churn of success that actually totally. comes from it. And you do not need all of this to get started. No. Yeah. No, like you Never. got started you as we talked about doing just basic outreach, like some, I think cold, some through your network, but like yep. you didn't have this massive presence or anything. No, I did yeah. not. I, yeah. I, I like barely had a portfolio website. Like yeah. when I started barely. Yeah. So. And you were able to like build up enough to like quit your job and like have this amazing base. Yeah. So, okay. So, all right. So you're getting people through Google and then you said LinkedIn too. Talk to me about that. Yeah. How's LinkedIn working for you? Um. Well, I've realized recently that I've become kind of more influential on it on LinkedIn versus like Instagram, especially like mm. I just, I cat I kept myself getting a lot more followers on uh, LinkedIn versus mm. Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm more interested in the content on LinkedIn personally, because it's mm. like business related. And I'm always like interested in new books and finding out what's going on in the industry and whatnot. So like, I just find myself on there more. And, mm. you know, when you're on a platform and you like, I have a very filled out portfolio, like or not portfolio profile on LinkedIn. Like I, I tried to get like rec reviews and recommendations and as much as I could, I like tried to fill out the fullest por uh, profile on LinkedIn I could so that mm. I can be found. Um, and, you know, like, I think at the end of the day, it's just posting content and like putting it out there and repeatedly asking people, you know, like, do you need help? If you're, if you're looking for somebody, here's what our team does. And like, you just have to put yourself out there again and again. And I know it, it feels painful sometimes, but. <laughs> okay. What exactly does that look like though? Cause you're like, okay, I am posting content regularly and then saying, Hey, if you need help, like walk us through exactly that process. What are you posting? Um, well, some, most often I would say we are posting like our blog posts 
that we, like that would be like educational content we share okay. but okay. it also might be like I read a news article and I thought it was interesting and like I might not necessarily put a clear call to action and it might just be like me commenting on it but people okay. still see like me commenting on like stuff about sustainable fashion and how mm -hmm. like you know Shein is just disgusting <laughs> all of the things you know like um so I think that's part of it but like another example is you know, a few, a few weeks ago, I did like, a, it was a picture of my face. And it was just me like saying, hello, it's been a while since I put my face out here. I usually am like behind the scenes, doing the stuff that you don't ever see. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in learning more, you know, we have an opening in July or something like I put a little thing at the end of it. Okay. Saying, like, we, have, we have space available if you're interested. And I mean, it, it works sometimes and sometimes it's like sure. a, a flop on, on LinkedIn. Like, you know, like your posts don't always magically take off, but yeah. sometimes they're successful. And yeah. usually I find that pictures of your face, um, people like seeing faces. So yeah. like, I would definitely suggest if you're trying to get your face out there, trying to network, put your face out there and say yeah. who you are and introduce yourself and, and tell people what you like to work on and what you're good at and, yeah. and like sell yourself right there. Yeah. And you're doing this on your personal profile. This is not a business page. Uh, yeah, I do it on my personal profile because that's who I have the follow, where I have the following. Have the engagement, yeah. I honestly don't think that a lot of people interact very much with business pages on LinkedIn either. Yeah. So like, I mean, they, they like them and they'll like, like a post, but they don't like comment on things as often. And I feel like those things end up in the dead zone. So yeah, I would comment, like do it as yourself. Try to like build connections, get your face out there. Yeah. It's, it's really nice when, when you do it enough, because if you are in like a niche and you, you niche down enough, like people will actually start to know you and like, they do you. totally. And yeah, I think it's nice to think about like doing a well-rounded, having a well-rounded type of presence there, right? Like you said, sometimes you're maybe commenting on an article or maybe you're sharing it to begin with and you're sharing some of your opinion, like an op-ed type of piece, right? Yeah. Um. And then sometimes you're sharing content of your own that you've created, which is like educational. And arguably you could do that without having created that whole blog post in the first place. So for, for people sure. that like to not get overwhelmed with creating a whole blog is like, hey, here's a tip on da, 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 da. Like think about what is your ideal customer, where they're stuck, right? Or what's something, a question they ask a lot. And then just post that as like a little educational tip, right? Directly in LinkedIn. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great idea. I've also seen other people and I like, I just need to take up myself on this, but like little like image carousels or galleries of instructions mm -hmm. and like tips and ideas that they made in Canva stuff that, mm -hmm. that's like simple, easy, like not super crazy, like wordy, just like yeah. big, big step instructions. Like yeah. do this if you want yeah. that, you know, totally, totally. Um, and then the third type is like, being a little bit more personable and then like sharing about who you are, what you do with like some type of soft call to action. So it's a variety of all the different things. Are you active on there regularly? Like, are you posting or doing something like multiple, like every day? Um, I would say I, I don't always post things like on my own, my own posts every day, but I would just generally say I'm, I'm poking around there just about every day. Okay. Making comments. Um, okay. Not, not always like commenting though. Sometimes it's just liking things throughout the yeah. day. And okay. it just depends on, on my mood too and how much time I have to yeah. do that. Cause 
I spend, I tend to do it in the morning and I also tend to just post in the morning in general on like LinkedIn. Cause I feel like that's when I, I actually think I, I learned something a long time ago and it's like something about like CEOs are on LinkedIn early because that's when they wake up and they're like, you know, like there's like, <laughs> and then, and then the people who are like, on LinkedIn at noon and lunchtime and they're like the slackers who don't care about oh my gosh <laughs> like oh, oh god wow wow okay know. so you're you're that CEO it's that's up like, there every morning well I'm just I'm, a, I'm an early waker and I I, okay. I just find that like I'm I'm looking at it for news more than it, like fashion news and headlines and in, in our space more than anything but yeah I don't okay. know I think I think that that commentary got warped in my brain at some point like totally um okay cool so and so then you're getting clients through that various engagement on linkedin as well as google um are you doing any more outreach or is everything pretty much inbound these days a lot of it is inbound this, these days although i would have to say that i probably should be doing more outbound because i i feel like i have totally slacked on that and we're we're kind of in a little bit of um a lull where we're not super duper busy but I also yeah. kind of designed that by nature because I've been crazy stressed lately yeah. um because on top of this I also have another business of my own brand that I've been working on for two and a half years um oh. and it's crazy and it's been so hard <laughs> so yeah. is it yeah. lingerie or swim um yes it's lingerie or well oh. not lingerie necessarily but like bras and underwear so okay gotcha gotcha undergarments yeah. Okay. And so what are you doing with that? Well, it's really, it's become this crazy beast, but you know, I have been trying to make a more comfortable underwire alternative ah. along with me and my team, um, not just me, but yeah. I have a co-founder and, you know, we've been working on this for quite some time. We've been using 3d printing to re-engineer what an underwire bra essentially could be. Okay. And, and, give you the shape of an underwire without the feeling of an underwire because uh, underwires are like, I mean, I don't wear them. They're, I like yeah, they're garbage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're, they're garbage. Uh-huh. And <laughs> also at the same time, there's a, a large degree of women who a can't not wear underwires because yeah, they know, just, I know. they need it. Yeah. And totally. B they, they just like, they want the look that an underwire gives them, Sure, you know, cause it's, it's different, you know, yeah. like a, a squishy, a Get squishy bralette's going to, yeah, yeah, shape and round <laughs> Barbie boobs is what we like to call them. Barbie, Barbie boobs. boobs, yeah. Okay. I'm like, I don't it care how they like look. That. I just need to be comfortable. No, no but I anyways, feel, I okay. Feel, TMI. <laughs> I feel you. I mean, there's, there's some women are less, less care and or like, yeah. You know, but I get what you're I mean, saying. We all have yeah. different feelings yeah. about our bodies yeah. and shapes and yeah, whatnot. So okay, cool. So where are you guys at with that? Um. So we we actually, it's funny because I went. Bridget and I, my co-founder, we went to Sri Lanka in March for five weeks. It Whoa. was, yeah, it was crazy pants. Um, we worked directly with a the manufacturer there. We basically found out that the manufacturer that we were working with was not going to work, uh, um, okay. which was very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also didn't get quite as far as we had expected, which was also like not the best but we have recently engaged with somebody locally that is helping us and so we're trying to wrap up what what we have in our in our like roster right now in the next six weeks by the end of august i am hoping that we have something that we can take as a file and give it to an injection molder so that we can actually make 
a, a physical mold of the thing we've been 3D printing for two years because basically okay. like we've never seen it in the real material. We've only seen it in 3D printed materials and wow. we like, we need to get to this next step so that yeah. we can get there. Oh my gosh. Wow. Five weeks in Sri Lanka. That's amazing. Did you, were you doing other stuff for their clients there or was that exclusively for your brand? Um, I was pretty much exclusively there for the brand uh, iteration, our brand. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I met with other factories and like, okay. I, okay. I didn't make a waste of the trip. No, but I no, never no. It's there, never so. a waste. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But wow. Crazy. <laughs> that is wild. So when, I mean, I'm sure the date get like is fluctuating, but like, when do you hope to try to like launch this? Are you gonna do like a Kickstarter? Like how are you going to launch this? Um, originally a long time ago, we thought about doing a Kickstarter, but we learned that Kickstarter is actually really fundamentally difficult these days just yep. because you need, you need to have like $2 million basically in the bank for your, mm-hmm. for your advertising of a Kickstarter to be monumentally successful it does it takes it takes a really big backing to actually have it be successful on paper and you're like oh but I spent all this money (laughs) yeah yeah it's very challenging but um no as of right now I I believe that we are probably on the path for if if our summer plans work out we should be able to jump into wear tests by the before the end of the year with our our community of users um we have around 1200 users right now in the community that we created to help us build this product that's amazing to do like bring them behind the scenes with you and like actually develop it like collectively to get like real input from a bunch of different people yes wow how did you get 1200 people um i mean it's been working on the community since last summer i would say we launched it about a year year ago maybe 11 months ago okay um so i mean a lot of it's just been grit and like okay. heads down, uh, uh, my co-founder has done a lot of outreach and trying to get people interested in this um, from other communities and different groups and whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah. We were also part of Everlane's Next Collective last year. So that oh, helped. Cool. That was like okay. part of, you know, something that helped get us some traction last year, I would say. Yeah. Um, and that helped get us a few people in our community too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of it's like, it's hard work. It's like, it's totally. a grind. It's so. all, Yeah. I mean, and look at you, you're running an agency and doing this like really big undertaking. You're not like, oh, let me not just, but like go cut and sew another bra. (laughs) It's like a really massive technological undertaking, but that's really exciting. It it is. It's massive. It's exciting. It's also like so crazy. And I think that's part of why I've I've been like, I need to, I need to take some chill time, a break and like, not, not like feel so, um, I don't know. There's like, I think the interesting thing about it, having felt it as myself as a founder and also having seen it from other founders is that there is this like pressure and this desire to go as fast as you can, Mm. no matter what. And Mm -hmm. like, why can't I just keep going fast? You want to control the situation so much Mm -hmm. and you want to, you want to be the one who says like, this is when it's going to happen and this is Mm -hmm. when it's going to be done. And honestly, the reality of things is when there's projects like this and you're trying to do something really different and and not just like the standard, you know, fabric cut, make into something. It, it is just, you never know when the end is like, you know, like I, I keep telling, I use the analogy of climbing a mountain all the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at the top. I'm near the top of the mountain. I am like, it's starting to get like 
cloudy and fall I'm summit. like, not sure. Yeah. Fall summit again. Nope, it's not the one. But I feel like when I do get to the top eventually, it will be okay and the sky will clear and I'll know my way down. But yeah. it is just, I, you know, there's no other explanation other than like you, you have this idea that you want to bring into the, the world and like, you know that you are the person that is meant to do it. And like the, the fact that you like have it just sitting on the back of your brain, just like get it out there, get it out there, do it, yeah, do it, yeah, do it, yeah. do it. Like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. just mind boggling. We'll get back to the episode in about 20 seconds. But real quick, if you're scared to freelance in fashion without a steady paycheck, I want to show you exactly how to get a full list of clients so you can pay your bills and so you don't get your hopes up and then have to go right back to the fashion job you hate. I share it all in my free limited time training, how to freelance in fashion, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers. Get instant access at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now back to the episode. Um, okay. So I have two questions leading off of that. And I know this conversation is taking a whole different turn. I love this. I don't like to really prepare stuff in advance. And I know you had sent me a few talking points in advance, but, um, how are you funding all this? I got to ask. Self. 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 Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't want to plant any seeds, but what I, one of the benefits of freelancing or running your own business agency, however you want, however, however you have it structured is you have this foundation where you're able to still like make money right? But then you have the freedom and flexibility to then also do this project on the side. Like, could you do this if you were working full-time in-house? I mean, how would you go to Sri Lanka for five weeks? Um, I don't think I would. Yeah. I don't think I would be able to do what I had done okay. if I had been working full-time. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of freelancing. And so I'm, what I'm trying to say here is like, you know, and I think for some people like who want to do their own brand freelancing is a great companion to that, right? Because you have that income, but you also have all the flexibility to do what you want. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like I, I definitely hear you on that. And I think that is exactly how I went into this with that mindset, because okay. when I first start, when I started my very first business slash brand, I did everything by myself. It sucked. It was hard you know, I, I tried so much and like, I failed miserably. And then I realized that I do really good design stuff. Why don't I just do that for people who need it? Yeah. And it was like, so clear that, you know, that's what I should be doing. But also when I had the idea for iteration, when I decided I wanted to work on this company and I was like, well, you know, I had, I had already tried my own brand at one point, a few years back, and I was like, but I've now been doing this for other people. I have more confidence now because I've been mm. doing it again for more people again. Mm. And and I'm like, I don't actually have to do it quickly. I could do it at the pace that it takes and I could do it on the side and I can go I, whatever time it takes, it just takes. And I, I don't really need to make it go fast. That was my original like inclination when I had started it. Mm-hmm. So like take it for what it is. I also now have a co-founder. I didn't have a co-founder when I started it. And when I had mm-hmm. told myself I could go slow and, mm-hmm. and, you know, when you have another person that's also depending on you, things change, but, sure. um, I mean, at the end, and at the end of the day, it creates a, an amazing basis for you to do your freelance and also build your brand because mm-hmm. you've got some sort of income coming in that mm-hmm. helps you stabilize. I mean, and you also have the idea that like, I can still work on something that lights me up and is totally fully mine at the Mm -hmm. end of the day because Mm -hmm. 
I think we all want to say, like, we all want ownership of something at the end of the day, sure. because it it's what, you know, it's how you, you become wealthy and how you develop money or like compensation for yourself is like yeah. ownership. You know, yeah, everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah. So like, if you can own that and make something that you can own, that's magical. And even if it takes 10 years, like at least it's yours and you've done it. And like, yeah. that's kind of how I have always been thinking about both of my businesses in the sense, just like, it's never going to be somebody else's. So yeah. it's, it's going to be mine. And I'm going to, I'm going to sit through the consequences of it and yeah. to any of the challenges and also enjoy the, the, the benefits and the rewards. Totally. Totally. Um, okay. So that whole conversation kind of leads me to something else that you had brought up that you, um, thought could be insightful for listeners was like working with startup brands and people that are kind of new to the industry. Cause that's a lot of the brands that you work with. You said, interestingly enough that, and this is something I, I talk about is like, I don't want you to like mislead your clients in any way, but oftentimes working with a bunch of clients, you can use that as a learning curve to then do your own brand a little bit with a little bit more intelligence, right? Um, you can kind of see the mistakes that they're making firsthand and you can learn while getting paid. I mean, you can't go into it completely blind, right? Obviously you have to have some skills and some knowledge and a base. Um, and again, don't like mislead your clients about what you are capable of, but it's always going to be a learning opportunity. And so, like you said, you've worked with so many startups and small brands over the past few years that it's helped you in developing your own brand. So um, can you talk a little bit about like some of the lessons that you've learned and maybe even challenges too of working with these, you know, small brands that haven't launched yet that maybe don't know much about the fashion industry? Like, what does that look like from um, a freelancer, or like an agency perspective, like that whole process? Um. I mean, I think you have to realize that most people who are coming into it, at least for me, uh, most people who are coming into it and are really interested in being successful as a brand owner, they're going to be um, somewhat curious about the whole process. Mm -hmm. And we have to honor that curiosity in some way and teach them about what they're doing. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't want to help build the brand and put something into the universe. And then at the end of the day, still not have fully educated the person who's owning the brand on what, what they're selling at the end of the day. Like, I mean, I'm not expecting to like give her or him my full set of experience. Cause I can't do that in, in the time we work together. But the idea that we have to be, you know, people who can help others to, to learn the lingo and to understand what they're doing so that, you know, they don't look silly if they had an interview with, you know, a magazine or something so that they yeah. can talk right about it. Yeah. You know, like you don't yeah. want them to be like, I don't know. This, we just made this beautiful bra. <laughs> yeah. Like it could, it could just be like so bad for them if they don't know what they're saying. And so like, I think understanding that most of it comes from a curious place and and it should come from if it does if you don't think it comes from a curious place try to remember it comes from a curious place uh, because yeah, it, it's like okay. it's like sometimes I think that clients will like I've done it so many times I've done this so many times and they'll be like well why are we doing this and why are we doing that and I'll be like well that's a good question and I should absolutely be able to tell you why but like I initially like years ago I would get sort of like frustrated by those and I'm like why am I getting frustrated it's like things they don't know like yeah. I, they can't learn from 
thin air, you know? So part of it is like just keeping, like letting people be educated, giving them the education when they, they need it, like being open and honest and, you know, transparent with your feedback so that you're not like, you know, if you're having issues with a client or if, if like a brand is not clear on what you're doing and how you're helping them, like conversations, it's like, talk to them, you know, empathy and like just looking at people and saying like, this is what I'm thinking you're meaning by this. Is this what you mean? Like that can go a long way. Just communication. Yeah. How do you manage? Like, cause I know this is where people, I think not, I think this people get stuck here is like, you know, when you're working with these smaller independent brands and like, they do have a lot of questions, right? And it's coming from a place of curiosity. And again, like they just don't have the knowledge, but um, building time into the project to make sure that like you're getting compensated for, because I, you know, let's say, and and I don't know if you're doing any projects that are like quite this small, but like, let's say someone hires you to do like one tech pack, right? And so it's like, hourly maybe or like a set price right but then they have like 800 questions and they want to like spend an hour on the phone like and that could arguably scale up with like a 12 tech pack project or I don't know whatever it might look like right but like managing that balance between like here's kind of what I had originally quoted and then like scope creep where like we are now getting sort of I get that you're curious and stuff but at the end of the day it's taking like a lot of time um how do you manage all that it's a good question. I don't know that it's ever been in it in so much excess that I felt okay. like I couldn't answer the questions. I'm also okay. like a super people pleaser. So like, <laughs> I don't know if that's part of that too. Um, okay. I, I mean, I would say that, you know, as far as like requests go, I, I do... I don't actually, so I mean, this will probably be a different tangent that we go down, but I don't do project-based pricing and I don't do hourly-based pricing anymore. Oh, what do you have packages? I I basically have a retainer-based pricing and you, Ah, okay. it's really based on the number of styles that you're developing uh, and like how many you're doing at once. Like, are you working on different categories? Are you working on one category? Is it like one delivery? Three is, you know, like it just depends on like the client, but at the end of the day, scope creep is so hard. So hard. Pricing by project is hard. Pricing by hour is hard because it's the race to a bot. The race, the bottom, it's a race to the bottom for pricing by hour because you, they want you to be as fast as you possibly can be. And you're like, I need to put time and energy and effort into this to make it good. Yeah. And project-based pricing, you're hoping that you can get it done in the completed amount of time so that you make a decent bottom line on it. But it's also just like a fairy wish right now. Like, it's like, I don't know how much it's like, and it always ends up being bigger than it is. So like for me, I found that retainer-based monthly project, you know, sort of linked to projects is like the best way for us to limit that. And so we just, we, we have like our smallest package. It still comes with like unlimited questions basically. And okay. And that's never turned into a problem. It's never turned into a problem. And honestly, like, I think part of it is just like how I, manage my own systems is like I just I like I'm very upfront with everybody when we start working together we have rules of engagement we explain that uh, what our communication is like in our rules of engagement and like you know you can expect a reply from me within 24 to 48 business hours if you send me an email and I'm not gonna race to send you a reply to your question so that's part of it you know like I I will get to it as soon as I can but like that might not be my top priority the other thing you're setting those expectations up front yes yes and one of my last one for my my rules of engagement is that I don't work with assholes so if you are an asshole I won't work with you (laughs) 
<laughs> but like honestly I think it's fun I think it's cheeky I mean totally honestly, people don't need to I, I don't need to pretend like I'm somebody who's just gonna be stomped around like yeah I, I'm not gonna work with you if you're a jerk so like yeah, yeah. no jerks please so when uh this is really interesting when do you present the rules of engagement um it's as part of a contract so once once oh, okay. they want the contract and they're ready to sign I send it along with like a schedule of here's what you can expect in month one month two month three if we're doing a, the development of something it usually takes about a year so we just kind of map right. out all okay. the things okay and I've I've never had somebody not sign it yeah because they thought you know I'm an asshole and I shouldn't so go. It, like <laughs> well I'm really curious about that and I want to talk about the retainer model too because I love I love retainer models but um they can be a little bit more advanced I don't think it's great when you're first yeah. starting necessarily there's a lot of nuances to it yeah but for sure uh the rules of engagement so it's it's setting expectations for your response time yeah. Don't be an asshole. What else you got in there? Um, I'm going to pull it up right pull now. Pull it up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I have in there right now. Um, this is it, so interesting it, to me. I've never heard this before. You're the first person. Oh, I, it's like one of my favorite things. I, I also shared it with my team because I was like, I want For you sure. guys to know yeah. what I re request of our clients so that you know what I'm the standards are. expecting of you too, but I love it so much because like I, one of the things I talk a lot about is communication and setting expectations, because here's the thing. If you are that freelancer that replies in like five minutes to everything, and then the next week or the next month, you're really busy and you're not replying so quickly, your client, you've trained them to expect mm -hmm. that you respond really quickly. And as soon as you don't, they're feeling like abandoned. Oh my gosh she's letting the ball drop on the project. Like she's not performing and stuff. So okay. setting these expectations, and I hate to say it this way, but you're kind of our training people that like, this is how it works. Totally. So you totally. say it much more nightly rules of engagement, not like yes. training, but okay. Did you get it? Pulled <laughs> out? I want to hear. Yep. Yeah, I've got them. Um, so number one is trust and mutual respect. Okay. Pretty straightforward there. Uh, yep. I, I outlined these a little detailed too. I'm not going to give you okay. the whole thing. These but... are just the headers. Okay. Yeah. Trust and mutual respect, shared values, timeliness, communication, forward thinking, and playing nice. Okay. I like this. I also like the timeliness one because it's not just about how quickly you respond, but you, we all know how annoying it is to like be nagging a client for the thing and you can't get the thing. Yeah. I, I think um, here, I'll read you these two because I, okay. I do think they're good. Okay. Uh, for timeliness, I wrote the design and development process are incredibly deadline driven. We commit to responding to questions and emails promptly within 24 to 48 business hours to continue moving things forward. That that's basically them agreeing to it and us agreeing. We to it. commit to. Yeah. I yeah. love how you totally position this as like a very team effort. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the communication is communication. We believe in com communicating well is essential. If something isn't working, let's talk. Having partnerships where we can speak our minds without worry is part of what makes us great at working together. We prefer using email whenever possible to allow for easy searchability. Okay. So, okay. I don't want people to text me and stuff. And no. that's why I put that one too. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, this is beautiful. I love this. I'm really nerding out on this right here. Um, okay, so the rules of engagement set a really great tone and expectation for the project. So everybody's on the same page. That's fabulous. Um, talk to us a little bit more about the retainer because I you said it's typically a year. So are you getting most brands to like sign on to working with you for a full year? Um, I would say that 
No, it's not necessarily that they sign up for a full year. I okay. I think it's something right now where I I think it's like a three month period of sign on. For okay, like but that's still great. Window. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I I don't want we don't want to start a project and then stop or like keep yeah keep that like press pause press stop. Um, yeah. Generally speaking, people I've I've never had somebody come on and sign off halfway through. So I've okay. always retained a client through yeah. like when we start the process. Unless I was the one to fire them, I've only done it once, but I did <laughs> but you once. did do it <laughs> <sighs> just once. Okay, Ugh. you know who you are. So <laughs> I hope you're not listening. <laughs> Awkward. I'm just, I'm just kidding. They probably I... have no idea. They probably have no idea. Oh, uh, it was a project very, very early into, into it. So okay, okay. Um, they got no clue. Um, um, but yeah. Okay. So it's about three months. And like, how do you set up? How do you structure these packages? You said it's kind of based on like the number of styles or something. Um. Yeah. So we have like our like our baby package is like a bootstrapping package, and this is like one to three styles. So it's like if you're working on like a hero product, and like uh-huh. this is this is the thing you want, and that's it. Um. But basically, we kind of have a baby package, and then we have like all the way up three, four package levels, all the way up to like enterprise, which is like if we're doing a lot of stuff and you know making stuff um but basically we just kind of you know they're slightly different based on how uh, roughly i mean i have a calculation of something like around 1200 to a thousand dollars per style per month basically if i'm being fully transparent which i clearly am okay so roughly a thousand dollars per style per month to work with them. Roughly, yeah. I mean, it, it it changes based on how much volume you have. If you have more volume, it's more sure. or less. More or less. But yeah. So then, how do you like uh, manage that, like workload wise? Because arguably, you could like. I mean, certain parts of the process go faster, and then others, like design and tech packs, is like totally in your control, and you can like perhaps bust those out pretty quickly then you like send it off to the factory and you're just sitting there waiting for like samples to come back right and then you send the proto and the comments back and then you're waiting and there's a lot more downtime but like how do you really think about how to manage that from like a workload perspective from your team like how much time are we actually putting into this for that let's just say thousand dollars per style per month it's probably not a good answer because i okay. don't i don't I don't really have a great way to fully manage it other than I've been doing it for a while. And I kind of know what the, what it's like to have the like push and pull of like, okay, we've sent out samples. Okay. Now we're waiting for them. Okay. Yeah. Now we're, you know, like, and like my team is constantly developing their skill set as well. So like, I would say that like in the times that we're like low or down or like, we're not as busy, like they're working on teaching themselves quote and becoming more useful and like working on like making you know block patterns and like we just we try to use the like space in between to make it more helpful for the times that we're busy so like even right now like one of the things that we're sprinting on in the next month is that like we're mapping out all those SOPs We're we're gonna like have a database of all the SOPs we had somebody come on a new designer came on in February of this year her name is Trudy Gardner and she's a a 3D designer she's a fast student yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, I think you put this in the email and I totally forgot. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Shut the front door because she, I'm interviewing her on the podcast like tomorrow. Oh my God. Amazing. Uh, no, Thursday. Amazing. Yeah, Thursday. Oh my God. Oh. Wild. Um, so you, someone told me you guys were working together. Either you told me or she told me. 
but she's one of my students. Well, yeah. Yeah. She, it was probably her that told you that. Cause I mean, I, we, you and I haven't talked too much lately and it's yeah. a, I thought like, maybe you put it in one of the emails or something and I read maybe. the email chain. Yeah. Anyways, that's fine. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Trudy, how'd you guys connect? Um, same story as basically everyone else. Like Trudy, <laughs> Trudy somehow found me on the internet. Okay. She emailed me and she basically, she, she wanted, she wanted, well, she wanted to, to like understand. She emailed me like a year and a half to almost two years ago now. And she okay. was just, just, just learning intimate design. And she was like, I know you're in the intimates world. And she wanted to know what, what, what she should work on. Cause she and was I, like, like an air pilot like yeah, an air was, force pilot yeah, or something like canadian she comes air from a force. whole different world yeah, yeah yeah canadian air force crazy okay. i know and um, then like got into fashion like totally diy yeah yeah okay and she, so she wanted she, to learn about intimates okay yeah and so she she reached out we had like a zoom call she explained what she was you know trying to do and i kind of i i'm pretty sure at the time i told her like you should work work on clothes if you're not working on it already because yeah. i had already been working in clothes since like 2021 and so I was like it's just it's the thing or no 2020 I started working in it not myself but like having things done in clo for mm -hmm. me is like I'm just like this is crazy yeah you need to be you need to be working in it yeah. if you're not already and she did end up start she like got into clo like really really into clo after our conversation she's been like basically cloing up a storm and uh she you know she's also part of this um the intimate intimate apparel collective um, and so she is like part of that and I'm part of that as well. And so like, I've been seeing her participating in that for oh. like the past year and a half. Okay. And then, and then recently at the beginning of this year, I was like, um, we, one of my clients was like deep expanding their size range and we were kind of going deeper into grading and stuff. And I was like, Trudy might be somebody I should think about having come on for and see if she could help us with this. Okay. And so she, she joined in, um, February of this year, right before, right before I went to Sri Lanka for five weeks. And so okay. it, it was a hot mess express. And that's part of why we're making the SOPs now. Okay. It comes full like, circle. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a hot mess. <laughs> this conversation makes me so happy. I love hearing too, like the whole story and evolution of like, she reached out, you told her Chloe, then you saw her active. What is this intimate collective? Um, it, it's like a Slack channel and like community that meets um via like Zoom calls like once yeah. a month. It's run it's run by um Nicola. Now I'm like blanking on her last name. Um and I, I don't know where her name is on my thing, but it's um, okay. I'm gonna have to. I want to find out about this from you. You can. I'll email yeah. you to follow up. Okay. So okay, it's a, it's a Slack community. Wow, that's the first time I've ever heard someone say Slack it's, in the fashion industry. I love Slack. But <laughs> oh, I love Slack. Too. I love too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Slack. Okay. Cool. So you. So then you kind of saw her in there being engaged. You're like, oh, look, she took this seriously. She's actually doing it. She's building her skills out, yeah. and now she's working with you guys. Yeah. How yeah. cool. I, I mean, honestly, I really do like if people are, I love people who are motivated and want to like, like really want something like I love that. That is so yeah. inspiring to me. Yeah. And it's as somebody who has done that in my life. Like yeah. when I see people who just go for what they want, I'm going to try and help them get it because yeah. I, like if you're in my, like if we're vibing and I can help you and I, I can get you to the next level, I want to do that. So like, I love that. I, if you are curious about anything in the industry, I'm a good person to connect with because I'm very friendly and I'm very like 
happy to mentor and teach younger designers. And it's not ever like a guarantee or anything, but you know, like things lead from one thing to another. They and do. It, and so, yeah. basically everyone was hired the same way. So like, if you, yeah. if you need something, if you want to learn about it, yeah. let's talk and we can figure it out. You know? Fabulous. I was just thinking another one of my students, um, Ashika, she does um, custom lace design for lingerie. Is she... her last name Sh- Chakrabarti? Yeah. She's in this community. Actually, I see okay, her. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. She's so, amazing. Yeah. She's like super niche. She, she lives in India, but she travels to the States periodically. I don't know the exact cool. logistics, but um, yeah. And she has designed custom lace for lingerie for a really long time. And ah, um, yeah, so I don't, I just thought of her. Cause I was like, if any of your clients ever, like, if you have any like high end clients that like want to do something really special, um, yeah. that's her specialty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, what a small world. She's in there. Of course she is. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's, it's called the, the intimate apparel technical collective as a full name. I, I kind of janked that up earlier. Just intimate apparel technical, technical collective, yeah. collective. Okay. I'm going to figure this out. I love that. Um, amazing. Kristen, it's been so fun catching up with you and hearing all the things so much going on. It's really exciting. Um, what's the name of your brand? I want to, I want to follow that. Um, it's called iteration. Iteration. Our our domain is iterationera.com. Iterationera.com. Okay. Building a new era of intimate. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. We'll link to all this in the show notes. Where can people find you and your design services? Um, at my website, kndrsn.com. That's the best way because social media is it is the pits and don't text her guys don't text her we're not giving out your phone number but don't text her (laughs) this has Um, been so wonderful thank you so much yeah um i have one final question the question i always ask at the end what is one thing people never ask you about freelancing and fashion that you wish they would or you know running an agency Mm, when do you sleep Yeah. Okay. You're also like launching this whole brand, but okay. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I, I wish people would ask me probably like what makes you motivated to keep going and doing this? Because I think the answer is why I keep doing it. And that's because I love, love, love making women and, and everyone feel good in their skin. You know, like you, everyone deserves to feel beautiful for so long of my life, I struggled with feeling good in my own body and mm. I don't think people deserve that. So like, yeah. you know, if I can influence people and make a positive impact on how they feel about themselves, then I'm doing my job and that motivates me. So That's I would like people to know what motivates us actually to make beautiful yeah. clothes. Yeah. I love that. That's a fabulous answer. Thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing and coming on the show again. Thank you so much. It was so wonderful, Heidi. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening to the Fashion Designers Get Paid podcast. If this episode inspired you in any way to get out of the mass-produced rat race and get your fashion career out of the hands of toxic corporate bosses, just like one of my students did, Alexandra, who makes more money in one day of freelancing than she did in two weeks at her old industry job, Yes, true story. I'd love to help you take control of your own destiny as a freelance fashion designer or TD, PD, pattern maker, etc. Get instant access to my free limited time training at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it up in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Monday to help inspire you for or help you get through the week ahead. You got this. Me and my team are rooting for you.